As we continue on with our teaching series, That Kingdom Come, looking at various parables, talking about the kingdom of God, today we'll be looking at the book of Matthew, starting in chapter 13, verse 1. And invite you to listen now to God's word to us all this morning. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path. And the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that this day you would speak to us all, no matter who we are, no matter how we walked in here, that we would be shaped, molded, and changed by you and your living word and call upon us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today is Commitment Sunday, Pledge Sunday, where we have the opportunity to bring forth our pledge cards in worship to commit ourselves to the ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in the year 2017. Now, this is just hazarding a guess, but my bet is, is that if many of you had to list your top three Sundays of the year that you most look forward to, this is not it, right? There right now are visitors who are going, oh my gosh, we picked today to come. There's a feeling on a Sunday like today, it was like, listen, we just gotta do this. You gotta pay the electricity bills, staff need to be fed, we gotta kinda do this, so let's do it, and then let's move on to more spiritual things as we go forward into the future. But today I want to put forward to us all that what we do here today is not primarily a financial decision as it is a spiritual one, and that we should be walking in here, all of us collectively and all of us individually, looking forward with joy and excitement to this day. This should be one of the high points for us every year. And this is not just like some spin job that we're taught in seminary to try to refocus today and distract you. We're not just pivoting, right? What we're trying to do here is to really teach what is so significant about today. And why should we be celebrating? And I think that, that the answers in many ways are found in this parable, the parable of the sower. Now, as we've talked about in this series, one of the wondrous ways that De Jesus teaches us about the kingdom is in these parables. And these parables are stories, and they have images to them. And that one of the things that, that is true about all of Scripture, but certainly about the parables, is that there's layers to them. There's layers to the story. There's layers to the image. There's not one right answer. Right? Jesus doesn't teach these parables and in the end we go, that's what he meant and that's the only thing that he meant and that's the only way to look at this. These things have layers that in community we might see a little differently, that in times and different seasons of our life we may see a little differently. And today I want to offer that we could celebrate truly today by two different interpretations of this parable. Both what I would call the kind of classic way of looking at it, the classic way, the traditional way that this parable has been interpreted, but also 
maybe a creative or a different or a, a, a newer way. And that both of these ways would allow us to have a better understanding of why it is we celebrate today. The first interpretation of the parable of the sower is this. This is like the classic interpretation. The classic interpretation is, is that we have to find where we see ourselves in the text. And that God is the sower. God is the one who's sowing seeds. And the seeds that God is sowing are his word. It's Jesus. It's the kingdom of God. We just sang some about that. The choir just sang in his anthem some about these things that are being sown and the harvest that comes from it. God is sowing. The, the, the seed that is being sowed is God's kingdom, God's word that's being sowed. And that your job and my job is to say, what does it mean to be fertile soil, right? We don't want to be the rocky soil where there's no roots that can go down deep. We don't want to be the place where the thorns come up and choke out all the life. So what does it mean to be fertile soil here at Covenant? And that is a really good interpretation of this passage. And if we take that, that would be reason enough to walk in here celebrating. Because the question that's before us in that interpretation is, is this fertile soil? Are we a part of fertile soil? And the way that Jesus says you decide if there's fertile soil around you is by looking at the fruit that's coming from there. You don't do it by, does it feel really good? I just feel really great about what's going on. I feel like it's really fertile. That's not it. It's not mostly emotional. It's actually based on, do we see fruit that is expanding because of the seed that is being sown here? And so it's a really good question to ask. Do we see fruit? Are we seeing a great harvest that is multiplying here at Covenant Presbyterian Church? And I would humbly suggest to you that the answer is yes. Now, we don't talk about ourselves very much here. And I think that that's a, a good thing. But if we're going to talk about fruit, we have to take a few minutes to ask ourselves, what kind of harvest is being born in our midst right now? And is it fertile soil that we're living in? And I would suggest to you that the answer to that is yes, for a number of different reasons that I want us to just consider for a second. The first is this. We are a church right now that is growing. We are growing in our worship attendance. We are growing in our membership. We are growing in our giving. We are seeing growth that's happening. Last Sunday, we added 25 new members who will be introduced in a couple of weeks in all of our four services here. We are getting younger as a church. And as we are getting younger, we are also seeing that the growth that is taking place, the vast majority of that growth is what we call kingdom growth. And that is incredibly exciting to see. Over 80% of our growth in the year 2015 came from people who were not members of churches before coming here. We're not church swapping. It's kingdom growth that's taking place. And what that means is, is that in our own imperfect ways, we here at Covenant are finding ways to engage the majority culture of Austin. The majority culture of Austin who are not followers of Jesus Christ, we are finding ways to make some inroads into that community and to allow them to hear about the gospel. From our, from our last new members class, we have both children, but also adults who will be baptized as new followers of Jesus Christ. We are seeing fruit that is taking place in our midst. And it is fruit that God is producing that we need to acknowledge and we need to see and we need to celebrate. We need to see that in our discipleship ministry, that we are seeing people growing and being formed and shaped in their faith, that, that we have a, a, a kind of a strategic way that we're approaching this now. That our small group, covenant group ministry is, is exploding here right now. That we see how creative questions about what does it mean to be disciples who love this city and love this world well through our recent Q Commons. 
through our gospel and culture series that's taking place on Wednesday night, that great questions are being asked about what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus in this time and in this place? What does it mean to be growing in our spiritual depth and and our spiritual lives? And, And we see the fruit that's taking place of this, of folks that are engaging. We see fruit that's taking place that we are called to celebrate in the finances of what's happening at this church. And finances are every bit as spiritual as discipleship in small groups or anything else. We've seen that in the last couple of years, your extravagant generosity has made a difference here at Covenant, both in the operating budget, but also in our opening doors capital campaign last year. We this week, this is just kind of worth celebrating. We this week paid off another million dollars of the principal on the debt of the fellowship and education building. This is the second time this year we have sent a million dollars to Frost Bank to a principal reduction on the loan. Three years ago, three years ago, hold on, it gets even better. Three years ago, less than three years ago, at the beginning of 2014, the principal on the debt for the Fellowship and Education Building was $7.4 million, all of which was being serviced out of our operating budget, which meant we were operating with like one arm tied behind our back as a church. Today, the principal on the, on the loan is at $3.1 million. It has been reduced from $7.4 million to $3.1 million. And maybe the most exciting thing we're celebrating in that is that the session of this church has made the incredibly bold and visionary decision to say that the financial relief that is going to come and that is already coming from this capital campaign is going to go towards mission and missional activities here at Covenant. That we want to use that because we'll find a way to spend it on ourselves if given the opportunity. But that we actually want to take that and to, and to be engaged with the city of Austin and the world around us. So as our mission chair shared with us last week, we are doubling down on mission partners all throughout this city. Where we had been giving less and less, we are giving more and more to Alan and Julie Weeks and their, and their work in the St. John's neighborhood, to street youth ministries, to Manos de Cristo, to things that we have historically been involved in that we are able to move further into that relationship, both locally and internationally, but we're also able to engage new mission partners. We've been able to engage Redeemed Ministries that is working here in the city of Austin with people of all ages, including children who are being trafficked. And that we are working with them as, as, as human beings are being trafficked right now today in this city to combat that evil. That as you heard last week, if you were here, another of our new mission partners is International Justice Mission. Where Doug and Thais Kilday will be leaving in January for a year to work against the um, slave trade that is taking place globally. And they're going to be based out of Cambodia working for a year combating the slave trade, and that their understanding and their call to that organization came because we were able to move into a new financial partnership with IJM. That we are giving more and more away, that, that the vision is to become more, as you, we have asked you to be extravagantly generous, that our health is determined by our generosity outside of this walls with the city of Austin and beyond. It's an incredibly exciting time. It's an incredibly exciting moment in our life that we should give thanks for. And as we build our budget for 2017 on those values, on those principles, that alone should say we are fertile ground. 
People are coming to faith. Lives are being changed. The city of Austin looks different. Slaves will be free this year. This is all happening because of the fruit of the harvest that you all have been sowing in this community for years and years and years. And we should walk in here pumped up today to see what 2017 is going to look like. By that classic definition of the parable of the sower, that what is fertile ground and where do we see fruit and how do we celebrate it, you and I should walk into today going, I can't wait to see what God's going to do next. That one interpretation would be enough. But I also want to offer you a second one. A second one that we can layer on top of that that should even drive us deeper in why today, every year, Commitment Sunday should be one of the most exciting days of the year for us. And it's this. That when we think about our money and giving and the call to it, we probably naturally make a, a subtle jump in our minds. We may not even recognize it. But the jump we make, if we take the language and imagery of the parable of the sower, is that we become the sower, right? It's not in the classic definition, it's interpretation. It's God who's sowing, God sowing his word, and where is the fertile soil? But I also want to suggest that it's okay and appropriate, and we might naturally do it on a day like today, to say that we are called to sow. That's in our new vision statement. We're encouraging one another to follow Jesus wherever we live, work, and play. That means that God is calling us to sow seeds in our neighborhoods and in, in where we work and in our schools and, and, and in the organizations we volunteer with, that you and I are sent out to be like God, to be like Jesus, to be sowing seeds of the kingdom of God wherever we go. And one of the ways that we do that here at Covenant and Beyond is through our giving. But what happens is when we start doing that, we become the sower, right? And when we become the sower who's got this kind of money, that's got seeds in this image, then what we do is that we kind of sit there and we go, all right, I've got that we, we you know, we, we form a committee as a, as a family, and we study it, and we go, so that's the responsibility. What do we want to do? Well, we got to save for retirement. we got to have the kids going to college, and we got to go on vacation this year. We've been promising Disney World for a while, and we got to go out to eat in the places we want to go, and we want to go out with our friends. And so we got to make sure that all that's there. And then there's these people like the church and others that keep wanting some of our stuff right? They keep wanting our stuff. And so after we've made sure that everything's okay, then if we have some, we'll be like, well, here you go, right? They're going to make me walk down to the basket. And so it's like, sure, if you're going to guilt trip me that way, fine. Here's something. Shut you up for a little while. I can go on planning my life the way I want to. Because I'm the one that created the seed that I have. I'm the one that worked hard for everything I have. But friends, I think that that mentality and that lifestyle is a mentality and a lifestyle that is common to us, but it is a lifestyle that enslaves us. It enslaves us because it makes us feel like that everything we have, we had to earn, and therefore we have to have a defensive posture to anything that goes out. There's no freedom in that. And if you're waiting to have enough, you will live in anxiety your entire life. Because there's no such thing. But I think that the freedom and the joy that can come, and if you come with that attitude, you can give, and you'll just be like, well, at least we're done with today. We can move on with more spiritual things. But I think the freedom is found in the imagery that Jesus uses 
in this passage of Scripture where he says that what do we have? We have seed. Now, I'm not a farmer. I don't know if you know that. I'm not a farmer. I don't even know much about farming or agriculture. I admire it. I don't know much about it. But I do know this. Where does a seed come from? It doesn't materialize out of thin air. You don't produce it yourself. A seed comes from a previous harvest. I mean, I preach four times on a Sunday. The hard moment in that is after this service when I've done this two times and then I sit down and go, I'm only halfway done. I get to do this two more times, right? <laughs> and so I need a little energy. And what I'll often do is I'll eat an apple, just so you know, that's, that's my exciting life. I'll eat an apple in my office. And where does an apple seed come from? Well, an apple seed comes from fruit. To put that in our language today, the seed that you have, including your finances, you didn't invent. You're like, no, 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 I'm the one that worked and I started the business and I co-signed the loan. Jesus didn't co-sign the loan. I'm the one that went to the bank. I'm the one that had student loans. I'm the one that did all this. What do you mean I didn't? Well, what I would suggest to you is while all of us work hard, the vast majority of what you have, you didn't earn and you weren't in control of. It's seed that comes from a previous harvest that you weren't the farmer harvesting it. I was reminded of that this week by a gift that was given to me. A gift that was given to me, it was sent to me, of a video. The video that was given to me was a video of my grandfather, my mother's father. It was a huge influence on my life. I have a picture of him in my office. Have any of you ever been in my office? One of the only pictures I have. Um, and he died in the year 2003. And if you had to list, like, and all of us have this, right? People in your life that are gone that you acutely miss still, my grandfather is one of those very few people on the list for me. He was an amazing, amazing man, and he had a huge impact on my life. He was in the construction business in Atlanta, and the construction business in Atlanta did really well. His company built hospitals, built office towers, built sports venues, the Georgia Dome where the Falcons will play this afternoon. They built that. The Olympic Stadium where they had the opening ceremonies and the closing ceremonies that was changed into Turner Field where the Braves have been playing. They built that. They built much of the city. And so business was good. And my grandfather was uh, very involved in the city. He was president of the Chamber of Commerce. He was chair of the board of Georgia Tech. He was chair of the Alumni Association at Georgia Tech. And as he got on in years, he was diagnosed with a disease called vasculitis. Vasculitis is a, a rare disease that they don't really know how to treat. And it became clear that as his diagnosis took place, that eventually it would most likely cost him his life. So one of the groups where he had given very generously of his time but also of his resources was Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech made a video interview with him. And I didn't know about it, and I was sent it this week. And it was an amazing thing. It's some of the wonders of the age we live in today, that someone who is very dear to you that died 13 years ago, you open an email, and all of a sudden you have a 35-minute interview with him where he talked about where he grew up, and what his life was like, and his family, and his work, and the business, and the history of how he, and it was just, it was like an amazing gift given to me to see him laugh again, to see the way he talked, to hear the phrases that he used. I mean, and this is someone that I really loved, and still love today. Towards the end of the interview, the woman who was interviewing him 
asked the question, they said, well, as, as an alumni of Georgia Tech who's done so much, we'd like you to share with those who will watch this interview, what do you attribute your success and your generosity towards? Now, I know my grandfather really well, and I was completely prepared for the answer that I have heard my whole life, which is hard work. You better work hard, because if you don't work hard, somebody else is working harder than you, and they will overtake you. I, I knew the answer he was going to give was hard work. And he looked at the camera and said, I would have to say that far and away, the thing that has allowed me to enjoy the success that I have enjoyed is that I'm blessed. He says, luck. I'm blessed by things I couldn't control. Now, just to be clear, the term blessed is like one of the most overused terms in the world today, right? I counted three times on Facebook yesterday where people had, you know, hashtag blessed uh, because that means like I'm really having a good day with, like, with my friends, right? Hashtag blessed. <laughs> Being blessed does not mean I'm having a good day, I'm having a fun time. The true meaning of the word blessed is that I have been given a gift that I did not deserve or earn. It's like grace. I have been blessed with something that I did not deserve. That's what it truly means to be blessed. Now, I think she thought, the interviewer, that he was using it in that sort of like blessed way. She said, well, what do you, what do you mean by that? And he said, he, said, he said, I mean this. You look at how we got to where we are today, building the Olympic Stadium and everything else. He said, I was born in Troy, Alabama, moved to Atlanta, Georgia when I was three because my dad got a new job at a bank. Grew up in this city where in high school I met uh, the woman that I'm now married to today, my grandmother, met when they were at Druid Hills High School in Atlanta. He said, I went to Georgia Tech because it was the local school, it was the school we could afford. And I enjoyed it. I got trained as an engineer while I was there. After I finished, I went and fought in World War II. My grandfather served in the Navy in the Pacific um, throughout World War II, and he said, I survived that war, which many people did not, and many people did not intact, and I had no control over that. I came back, and we settled in Atlanta, Georgia, and the reason we settled in Atlanta, Georgia was we needed support, and we needed to be near family, and this is where both my in-laws and my parents were, and so we had no strategic vision or love necessarily of Atlanta. We just needed to be around people that could support us. 1946, I applied to several different jobs and did not get them and was finally offered a job working in the construction industry. He said, I knew nothing about construction, didn't have any interest in construction, but it was the only job offered to me, and so I went in that direction. He said, from 1946 until 1996, when this video was made, the city of Atlanta has exploded from 300,000 people living here to almost four million people living here. He said, let me tell you something. When you're in a city that grows from 300,000 people to 4 million people, the construction industry is the right industry to be in. You have to work hard not to succeed in construction in that kind of environment. And I had no strategic plan for being in construction. It's just the job I could get. I had no control over the Olympic Games being awarded to Atlanta and needing stadiums to be built and needing venues to be built. And so while we have worked hard, he said, the most important thing that has influenced where I am today is forces I had zero control over. What's the most important thing to where I am today? I am blessed. And when you understand life that way, 
it becomes a whole lot easier to serve other people, to give to other people, to give of your time to assist others in ways that you have been assisted in your life. I know this flies in the face of the cultural myths that we love. We love the idea of the self-made person, the self-made man, picked himself up by the bootstraps and made life out of nothing. It does not exist. It is not real. It is a lie. It is a myth that we tell ourselves that we romanticize people by, but it is inaccurate. Because the majority, think about your life as my grandfather described it. That we are sitting here in Austin, Texas in the year 2016, invited to be a part of a community that is saying, how can we be a greater blessing to the world? Do we realize the things that brought us to this point today that you and I had zero control over? Have we worked hard? Yes. But Jesus is saying that all of the seed that we have, all of it is not seed that appeared out of thin air. It came from a harvest that was around before you and I were. And so, friends, we can excite it about that. We can exult in that today. Because as we come into this place, as we approach Commitment Sunday, we're invited to remember our stories to remember how God has provided in all kinds of ways to bringing us to this point of where we are today. And he is saying to us as a church and saying to us as individuals, trust me, trust me, trust me. Trust me that as I have provided for you in the past, past that you can give and live generous, extravagantly generous lives. And I have not brought you to this point just to drop you. But as need is created in your life, I will show up again. You can trust because what you have today, I provided for you. And that interpretation should allow us as well to walk in here, not with the anxiety of needing to get through today and how little do we have to do, but to walk in here with joy and with freedom of all that God has provided and all that God will provide again. So today we celebrate. Today we don't check a box and move on to more spiritual things. Because if we want to ask where fertile soil is, we are in a time where we are seeing wondrous fruit in our midst. And we get to make sure that another harvest happens again. What a joyful thing to do. And if we want to see how we're called to sow, we can also walk in here today remembering how God has been so good to us. And as we live extravagant, generous lives, he will give again and provide again. He will show up in your life. Today, may we have joy and the call that is before us all as his people. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we ask today that you would lead, guide, shape, mold us as to what it means to be your people, recognizing how good you have been to us and realizing that we are called to follow you in this call to extravagant generosity. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the joy of today.
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.